Hi everyone, my name is Em and you are listening to the Empowered Pod. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land. The Empowered Pod is recorded and produced on Awabakal land and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future. I want to encourage you wherever you may be listening to take the time to learn about the traditional custodians of the land you are on right now and to find ways in which you can learn from and walk alongside your local Indigenous community. Well, welcome back everyone. I know it has been a hot minute. We've been on a bit of a, a bit of a, a lot of a hiatus over here at the Empowered Pod, but it is International Women's Day and we are back with a bang because today we are going to be chatting about an absolute powerhouse of a woman. Now, before we dive into chatting about her, I just wanted to wish you all a happy International Women's Day and obviously remind you that you should be celebrating women every day you know not just one day of the year but I do want to take the time to acknowledge that today is a really special day to be able to take note and remind yourself of how you can be encouraging and championing the women in your life I am so blessed that I have so many incredible beautiful friends who are just awesome women and I see them juggling motherhood, marriage, owning a home, working, dreaming, having careers, managing staff, navigating hardships and tragedy all in the midst of this crazy world we live in and the capacity of these women to just take it all in their graceful stride never ceases to amaze me. So my challenge to you this International Women's Day is one, celebrate the women in your life every day of the year not just one day but to look at the women in your life and encourage them and champion them because as is the premise of this podcast when we lift up women we lift up society as a whole so happy international women's day and let's get into talking about the woman that we're talking about today who is the one the only Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's right, the notorious RBG. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If you have not already heard of her and fallen in love with her, get ready because after this episode, you will be obsessed. So, starting from the beginning, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born Joan Ruth Bader on March 15, 1933 in Brooklyn, New York. She was the second daughter of Celia and Nathan Bader, but sadly when Ruth was just a year old, her sister passed away at age six. So Ruth mainly grew up as an only child. During her early years in school, she began to be referred to as Ruth instead of Joan, because apparently in the 1930s, there were way too many Joans in the class. So they were just like, well, we'll call you Ruth instead. And it stuck. Ruth was dedicated to her education and after graduating from James Madison High School, she was granted a full scholarship to study at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. 
It was at Cornell that she met Martin D. Ginsburg, who would later become her husband. In 1954, Ruth graduated from Cornell University with a Bachelor of Arts and was the highest ranking female student in her graduating class. A month after graduating from Cornell, Ruth and Martin got married and moved to Oklahoma where Martin was stationed in the US Army Reserve. In 1956, following the birth of their daughter Jane, Ruth and Martin moved to Massachusetts where Martin continued to study and Ruth began to study at Harvard Law School. At the time of her enrollment, Ruth was in a class of 500 students where she was one of the nine women in her entire cohort. So for those playing along at home, that's nine women and approximately 490 men. Gotta love the 50s. Just wait, it gets better. So the Dean of Harvard Law invited all the female students, all being all nine of them, to dinner at his house, how kind of him, where he posed the totally reasonable and definitely not patronizing question, ladies, why are you at Harvard Law School? How do you justify taking a spot from a perfectly qualified man? (laughs) I I can't even. So despite the blatant sexism that was coming at Ruth from every which way at Harvard, she excelled in her studies. She became the first woman to be on the Harvard Law Review and was consistently at the top of her class. If that wasn't enough, In the same year, her husband Marty was diagnosed with testicular cancer, and so for the next two years, on top of her own studies, Ruth helped Martin stay on top of his law studies. He was in a different year to her, so she was going to all of his classes and taking notes for him and helping him keep up and keep on top of his degree. And of course, all the while, they have a young daughter, so Ruth's caring for her as well. The capacity of women, I'm telling you, RBG is superwoman. Anyway. I digress. So, luckily, after two years of battling cancer, Marty recovers and he accepts a job at a law firm in New York. So, Ruth ends up finishing her third and final year of law school at Columbia Law School. Now, RBG's career following her graduation is, to be completely honest, just way too illustrious and extensive to go into too much detail in this short podcast. So I'm going to give you the dot point spark notes version of the first 30 years of Ruth's law career. You ready? Let's go. So initially, despite her impressive credentials, RBG found it really tricky to find employment because she was both a woman and a mother. I mean, the horror. Anyway, gotta love the 50s and 60s. But Due to the recommendation given by one of her professors at Columbia Law, she ended up getting a clerkship with the US District Court Judge Edmund Palmieri. So she worked for him as a clerk from 1959 to 1961. Then between 1962 and 63, she worked as the Associate Director of the Columbia Law School's Project on International Procedure. And just casually, learned to speak Swedish, as you do, and then co-authored a book on Swedish civil procedure. Again, as you do. In, also in 1963, RBG got a job working as a professor at Rutgers University. I'm going to be completely honest with you, I did not 
read how to pronounce that before I started recording. Anyway, we're going to go with Rutgers. Rutgers. Mm, maybe we'll edit that out. So, RBG gets a job as a professor, and at the time, she was one of only 20 female professors in the entire country. So, again, <laughs> gotta love the 60s. So, RBG worked as a professor at that university from 1963 to 1972, when she began working as a professor at Columbia Law School, and she was the first ever woman who was tenured there. And, of course, while she was there, just because she's an overachiever, she also co-authored and published the first casebook for a law school on sex discrimination. Also in 1972, Ruth co-founded the Women's Rights Project at the American Civil Liberties Union, which in the following years assisted more than 300 gender discrimination cases. And as the director of the project, Ruth brought six cases in particular of discrimination um, to the Supreme Court, and she won five out of the six of them. I'm telling you, absolute overachiever. We love her. So her strategies in law were careful and calculated. She often chose cases where men had also been discriminated against on the basis of gender, so as to prove that gender discrimination was an issue that affected both men and women because she believed that was the best way to move forward with getting equality for both. In 1980, Ruth was nominated by President Carter to a seat as a judge on the District Civil Court, and in 1993, as we may know her, she was nominated by President Bill Clinton to the Supreme Court, where she served as the second female justice to ever be appointed to the Supreme Court. Now, we're going to take a step back and just note here that at this point, in 1993, RBG had made leaps and bounds in the fields of law, tackling in particular the issue of gender and sex discrimination. But during her confirmation hearing in 1993, she was criticised for her lack of inclusivity of black Americans, and it was noted that she hadn't made an effort to hire any African American clerks, interns or secretaries throughout her entire career. And although it's said that her propensity for inclusivity was improved during her Supreme Court tenure, I do just want to note that during that time, which was from 1993 to 2020, she only hired one African-American clerk. So I guess do with that information what you will. I just think it's important to point out that people are flawed and complex and that even someone as revered as Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still a product of her time and she still did seem to be harboring some significant prejudice despite her many efforts for progression and inclusivity in other areas of society. So I just want to encourage you guys to appreciate the nuance of the situation while we are celebrating this woman, she is not perfect and there are things that she was criticised for throughout her career, and fairly so. So throughout most of her tenure as a Supreme Court judge, RBG was in the liberal and progressive minority of the Supreme Court justices. She voted in favour of issues of women's rights 
women's rights, such as Planned Parenthood, access to abortion, and early in her tenure she voted in favour of a decision which called to end the discrimination of women at Virginia Military Institute, which at the time had a men-only admissions policy. We love to see it. She also was outspoken on the Supreme Court, and when the majority ruled in a way which she viewed as unacceptable, she let them know. (laughs) So in a case where the court ruled against a woman who was suing her employer for being paid significantly less than her male counterparts, RBG made her disgust known, and she read a strongly worded dissent from the bench, which basically means that Instead of just voting in the minority and then quietly accepting the unfortunate outcome, RBG got up and read out a very strongly worded letter that made her disapproval of the decision well known to everyone else in the room. Quite sassy. We love that. In an interview in early 2016, RBG was asked what she thought of a potential Trump presidency. She noted she really didn't want to think about that possibility and she joked that she might just up and move to New Zealand. Of course, once Trump was elected president, she apologised and noted that her earlier comments were ill-advised. Bless her. I'm pretty sure everyone in America said that at some point. Don't worry, Ruth. In 2018, Ruth expressed her support for the Me Too movement and she spoke to an audience about her personal experience of sexual harassment and said of the movement, it is about time. For so long, women were silent because there was nothing they could do about it. But now the law is on the side of women and men who encounter harassment and abuse. And that is a very good thing. During her tenure on the Supreme Court, RBG fought five separate bouts of cancer, and despite the rigorous treatment regimes, she never missed a day on the bench. She also worked with a personal trainer, working out at least two times a week, in the gym specifically for the Supreme Court justices, and in a session right before her 80th birthday, she smashed out 20 push-ups in a row, just casually mate that's so impressive (laughs) so rbg passed away due to complications with pancreatic cancer on the 18th of september in 2020 at age 87 she was survived by her two children jane and james and four grandchildren rbg was an absolute powerhouse of a woman and honestly the tributes to her are too many to name but you can look them up. She has so many scholarships and buildings and things named after her. It is very impressive. Um, But to finish off her story, I'm actually going to leave you with one of my favourite quotes of hers. And in an interview, in response to the many sexist comments that had been made um, in her presence, in her time in the courts, the interviewer said, When they would say things like this, how would you respond? And Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, well, never in anger, as my mother taught me. That would have been self-defeating. I always saw it as an opportunity to teach. I did actually see myself as sort of a kindergarten teacher in those days because the other judges didn't even think that sex discrimination existed. 
that is the very short version, the summarised quick version of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life. She was an incredible woman and I really encourage you to go and read up more about her. There are incredible resources that I will list in the podcast description, but just to name a few, there are a bunch of books that have been written about her. There is a movie called On the Basis of Sex. There is a documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's an awesome, really beautiful article from 2015 that was in the New York Times where Philip Gaines interviewed both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Gloria Steinem um, and just had a conversation with both of them about um, the progression of women's rights and the pursuit of equality. So I would really recommend that one. I'll pop the link, obviously, in the podcast notes. Um, But to finish off, as we always do here at The Empowered Pod, I am going to give you a couple of recommendations of the things that have brought me joy in the hope that they might bring you a little bit of joy too. So my first recommendation is the musical that is on Netflix with Andrew Garfield in it called Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, It's the one about Jonathan Larson, who's the composer who wrote Rent, but it's all about his life beforehand. Um, I really loved it. It's really fun and heartfelt and beautiful, and it's just a really awesome musical. Obviously, if you don't like musicals, maybe it won't be a cup of tea. I've warned you now, it is a musical, but it's awesome. (laughs) Go watch that. My second recommendation is the podcast called How to Fail by Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth is a British author and she interviews just some really incredible people on the failures in their life, which people don't often talk about. So one of my favourite episodes is um, a recent one where she interviewed Stanley Tucci um, and she just has a really beautiful way of opening up discussions about potentially really difficult things in people's life but in a really generous and um, gracious way so I would encourage you to listen to any episode of that podcast because it's awesome but in particular the Stanley Tucci episode is really really lovely so my third and final recommendation for you is a really lovely Spotify playlist this is so random but it's a Spotify playlist called the picnic list The catchphrase or the caption of it is literally just have a lovely time, which if you know me is just, it's right up my alley. But it's just a great combo. We've got some Taylor Swift and Ballpark and um, Phoebe Bridges and Novell Moore. It's just a great combo. I mean, it's a great combo of all the things I like. So if you have similar music taste to me you could go and have a listen or have a listen and realize that you don't have similar music taste to me and then you know everybody learns something anyway it's a lovely playlist go have a listen um but yeah that's all from me for this week happy international women's day and we will be back in your ears with another entertaining and wonderful story about an awesome woman next tuesday bye guys Thank you.